Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, uh, chat to some uh, very interesting figures in the world of traditional publishing, self-publishing, editing, everything to do with this weird industry we're in. And today we are very excited to have a special guest, uh, Jen Delosier, who is an author and a physician. And I've always wondered why physicians go into crime and serial killers and stuff like that books. But we are delighted to have you here. How are you doing today, Jen? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, well, we are very excited to have you here. And of course, we wouldn't be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems Books and an author himself. How are you doing today, Craig? I'm doing well. Thanks, Roland. Uh, Yeah, thanks for coming on, Jen. Um, We wanted to talk to you. I mean, you do a lot of things and you have this this great background of being a doctor and author and all sorts of stuff. But one of the things that um, we wanted to focus on today was the idea of uh, beta reading, which is which is a topic that we I, we did a, an episode on a while back. We had a couple um, authors on that use beta reading services to uh, sort of discuss what they get out of it, and such. Um, and it, you know, it doesn't hurt to to go through that again and get your perspective. But I think the interesting um, difference here is that you're also a beta reader yourself, so that you that gives us a different perspective, right? So you know, we know as authors sort of what we kind of want. But it is helpful if we also know what drives the beta reader, what they're looking for, what kind of feedback, you know, and what kind of formatting or what kind of everything. You know, you can probably tell us I'm not a beta reader, so you'll have a different perspective uh, from it um, than we will. So uh, why don't we just start off and give us just a quick um, background of of, uh, who you are, what you write and Sure. So I write, um, I write mysteries, murder mysteries, crime, um, as well as some thrillers. Uh, and I started writing in 2015. My first book was published in 2016. That was Type and Cross. It was nominated for Best First Novel Award by the International Thriller Writers Association. And then I was hooked. And so now I'm on book five. <laughs> the Photo Thief comes out uh, October 18th. And um, I retired from my physician job as a Associate Clinical Professor of Medicine at Penn State in January to concentrate on writing full time. That sounds like um, I'm. I'm wondering: is that uh, is writing easier or harder than being a doctor? Oh, it's very different. <laughs> very different. There's just no comparison. I mean, um, I would have to say my worst day of writing um, is better than my my. Uh, average day in medicine so you can take that for what you will well no it's good you know like it's almost like uh it's not like a full-time retiring if you're easing into something else but if it's something else especially if something else you really enjoy correct and you know then it's keeps you busy right that's right so um what is your experience with beta reading i assume that as an author you've probably use it yourself. Um, but were you beta reading? I, I know that you beta read more just, you know, for author friends and such. Uh, but did you, were you doing that sort of before you became a writer? No, I, I fell into it. You know, it's one of those things that once you develop your writing community, um, you it, people start asking you, they ask you for um, one of 
a few different things. Some will ask you for an actual critique. Um, some will ask you for a beta read. Um, you'll also get asked just to read for marketing purposes, to produce blurbs and, and excerpts that people can use on social media, reviews, that kind of thing. So um, your friends will start asking you. And uh, so that's how I really got into beta reading. And sometimes uh, we'll swap, you know, I'll, I'll send a book in progress or a first draft or something like that to a friend and they'll send me theirs to beta read. Okay. So that's, that's great. I mean, I think a lot of authors have that, um, that sort of thing where they try to get their friends and their family and, you know, everybody to sort of read their book and give feedback, which is, which is fine, but you have to always be careful, right? Like, I mean, if you give the book to a good friend, if you give the book to your mother, you know, they're not going to find any issues. (laughs) It's the best book I ever read. Oh, there's (laughs) no problems. It's so amazing. You know, they're never going to tell you the truth. So you have to sort of be careful, right? When you ask for, uh, for you know yeah even for colleagues they might you know hopefully they're going to give you you know the the truth but uh but sometimes depending on who it is they might sort of like whitewash it a little bit but um you have to sort of be careful right so well the key is expectations i think i mean i i never beta read a book without setting clear expectations so if i get an email from a friend no matter how close or how distant let's just say a colleague from a writing colleague and they say oh can you read this book for me and give me some feedback my initial response right away is what exactly are you looking for are you looking for a critique are you looking for just a blurb um, are you looking for a beta read? And as a beta read, I'm approaching it as a reader. So it's all about the emotion. So how does this book make me feel? Did I get bored? Did I like the characters? Did I not like the characters? Did it make sense to me? That's approaching it from a reader's point of view. Whereas if I'm doing it more as a critique or for marketing, I'm really approaching it as a fellow writer. And it's a whole different mindset. So those expectations need to be set right up front. What exactly do you want? And it prevents a lot of hurt feelings. Well, I was going to ask about the hurt feelings because I I know I've been given books sometimes. And I'm like, listen, as somebody who's been reasonably successful publishing my own books, I might suggest these things. And they're like, oh, well, I don't want to change that or it's too late in the process. And it's like, well, I'm going to give you honest feedback, but uh, not everybody is in the position to, to appreciate that. And do you ever find that as a challenge? Sure. Um, but again, that's more for me, that's more with a critique. You know, if, if I found what I think is a plot hole or I find the, the protagonist completely unbelievable and unlikable, you know, that's harsh. That's harsh feedback for someone to hear, especially when they're so close to their book. But with a beta read, the, 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 the interesting thing about a beta read, like I said, is it's based on emotion. So if you send to 10 different beta readers, you're going to get probably five who like it, two that are kind of ambivalent and maybe another three that are like, eh, this just didn't speak to me. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of expected. Not everybody's going to like your book. And so I think fellow fellow uh, writers are used to that and they're more receptive to that. Yeah, they have to really go into it uh, knowing what they're looking to get out of it. And, Correct. you know, if, if you're going in expecting to hear only great things and then be annoyed and, and, and defensive, if you don't, uh, you're not really you shouldn't be doing a beta read. You're not at the right point in your career or your, or your life to, uh, to do that. Maybe you need to get it out there first and then see, you know, if the reviews start coming in poorly, then that might change your mind and make you think, right. yeah, I need Another to. Another thing that I see sometimes with, with early writers is they'll, they'll ask me to do a beta read and then they'll be upset because it really wasn't like a line edit. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so right. I make it very clear to them, look, I'm not, that takes a tremendous amount of time. And so I'm not your editor, I'm your beta reader, because <laughs> there's a big right. difference there. Right. And I mean, that's something, so we have a beta reading service, and that's something that I sort of make clear as well, is that uh, this isn't to replace an edit, right? These people are not editors. So, um, and and my, some of them might put in some things if they notice some glaring issue, oh, you, you know, you misspelled this or whatever. But um, but that's not their their purpose. And, uh, and you know, they, they're free to ignore those things too. So um, it's certainly not a replacement for editing. Um, but... You know, it's uh, sometimes I think it's it's uh, it's it's more similar to developmental editing. Still not the same, but in developmental editing, often they will tell you things some of the same things that a beta reader might tell you, uh, but they'll also do a lot more, right? So again, not the same, but um, but it's not like a proofread. It's not a line edit, you know. So, uh, but yeah, you know the the beta reading that you do, you know for a friend, it should be the same as, as for a stranger, but for a beta author, I wonder, like for an author using a beta reader service, I wonder if they would take the advice differently when they sort of think of the person as a friend. Like when, when Roland was saying, you know, about his experience and the person saying, you know, oh, I don't want to change that. Would they, would they feel that same way if they'd given it to a stranger or to somebody that, you know, Right. I, and I think the answer to that is, is yes, they would feel differently because I, mm-hmm. I think when they give it, if they know you and they know you're writing and they're, you're a respected colleague and a respected friend. I mean, obviously I think your, your critique or beta read holds a little more water than some, some random person. Although again, that's good and bad because really we're writing for the random person, right? We're writing for your, your general person that's going to order off of a big box seller or they're going to pull a book off a shelf. And so that's the person we want it to resonate with. And so, you, again, you have to be very careful what you take out of a beta read. And I can give you a good example. Um, I have a friend in Singapore, Damianti Biswas, and we swapped beta reads. So she read The Photo Thief and I read her upcoming book, The Blue Bar. And she gave me some really excellent beta reader feedback of, you know, the photo thief has a little bit of a hint of perhaps a paranormal element or a ghost story balanced with crime, with with serial killer crime, which is kind of a tough balance. You know, the people who like crime may not necessarily like superhero or um, supernatural elements. And so she really gave me some excellent feedback on you know, that balance and which parts appealed to her and which parts didn't. And as a crime writer, you know, how to sort of weave that in a little bit better. So you're right. It is more along the lines of a developmental edit than any other kind of edit. But um, I respected her opinion greatly because I know that she's an excellent crime writer. If someone else had given me that feedback, I might've said, well, maybe they just don't appreciate the supernatural elements or something, you know, something along those lines. That's because there's so, it's interesting because if you give a lot of, you know, a, a copy editor or a proofreader your book, they're going to correct all the typos in it. But if there's something like if you write a romance book that doesn't have a happily ever after or something, then that's, you know, beta readers will be able to point that out. And that's a fundamental flaw that needs to be addressed. And I think it takes a lot of self-awareness for an author to be willing to hand over their baby to, to somebody and say, like, OK, tell me what's wrong with it. 
Yeah, it's tough because they are. They're your children. I, I say that all the time that my books are my babies. And, you know, people ask me why I write um, because I don't particularly care for the business of writing. I love the writing, but I don't particularly care for the business. And I say it's because I've written these babies and who doesn't want the world to love your babies, right? So you got to get them out there. You got to get them out there. Yeah. So it's interesting, though, because I when I asked you that question, and I do agree, but um I was actually thinking along the lines more, maybe more psychologically of the how maybe how some people would react differently when they hand it to a friend, even if it's a respected colleague, as opposed to a stranger, that they might actually be more defensive and less likely to take the advice because they would almost be defensive about it and, and feel like they have the ability because they know this person to argue the point, right. To be like, mm-hmm. well, you know, you, you just don't get it, you know, like, blah, 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 but, but other people would, whereas if they gave it to a stranger and got that advice and, you know, it's, there's usually not that same, same sort of back and forth, they might be like, okay, well, this person, you know, he's a regular reader and he didn't get it, you know? So I wonder, you know, if, if uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think there's like these two and maybe it's, it's probably dependent on the kind of author and the kind of person they are, whether they would take the advice more or less from a stranger as, as a colleague. I haven't experienced that amongst my colleagues. Now I have seen that and, and maybe experienced it a little bit with editors because again, when you first meet your editor, you don't know this person from anybody. And in general, they're shredding your book right there. That's their job is to is to really point out what's wrong. And that's, I think, when most people get defensive. And I can say with my first three books, they were a trilogy. I had a very young editor, um, uh, generationally different from me, so much younger than me. And um, I know there were some things that that it was just a generational thing that that she didn't get from me. And I didn't get some of her comments. I was like, what, what does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. Um, and so I think I had a little bit, first of all, I was young in my career. So this was my first working with an editor. And then that generational difference, I think there was a little bit of that, of that defensiveness on my part. Um, so I see it more with editors than I do necessarily with colleagues um, who are the ones who are functioning as beta readers, obviously, or, you know, strangers who function as beta readers. Your editors don't function as beta readers. So you got back your edit and it was all filled with emojis, right? (laughs) Something (laughs) like that. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, okay. So I, you know, and the other thing too is um, how beta readers, uh, give their feedback and and that's uh, not not necessarily the format but their um the way that they sort of you know i i tell my beta readers that uh the authors are looking for honesty and they are looking for you to point out issues but at the same time you have to keep in mind that they're they're people too <laughs> and and they have feelings <laughs> and these are their babies and so you know, you don't want to be uh, unnecessarily, you know, harsh <laughs> about it. You know, you can say things, constructive criticism more than, you know, just, ah, this is garbage, you know, <laughs> you know, everyone hates this. So, you know, how, how do you, it, what, what's your feeling on how to sort of really give feedback on something that, you know, is really not good? 
Sure. So first of all, when, when I ask somebody to beta read for me, I usually have a specific list of questions. So I'll have like four or five things that maybe that I was a little insecure about, you know, is the, is the book too slow? Is the pacing off? Did you like the main character? You know, so that at least the beta reader has something to, to really pay attention to as they're reading. And then they can give whatever general comments they want. But I find that most helpful for me when I'm asking someone to beta read other than just here, read my book and let me know what you think. So, um, so I have a specific list of questions. When I do beta reading for other people, I like to use the format of um, starting off. I, I usually do it in paragraph format. I will add a few using track changes or whatever word processing unit you use. I'll add a few in the moment comments. If there was something that really, Ooh, this, I was confused here or, you know, this really um, surprised me or whatever. I'll put that right in the moment. But at the end, I usually type up a couple paragraphs and I like to do start out with things that I thought were great and then things that I thought might need some work. Um, and, and I, I do it in that format because everybody likes to hear the positives first and then it sort of primes you for, yeah, but maybe. So an example would be was, I really love this book. I, I could identify with the characters. I thought the plot was excellent, but I thought the pacing was a little slow. It dragged in the middle. I, I had to really make myself keep going. So maybe you could try to, you know, add some, energy in the middle third of the book. I mean, that's just obviously a very brief example, but that's how I like to do my beta readers. If I read a book that I really think is awful, um, I still try to find something positive to say because there's hardly ever any book that that doesn't have some redeeming quality <laughs> whatsoever. So I, I'll do the same thing. I'll start with that positive. You know, you, you really have a wonderful way with dialogue. I thought the dialogue was really natural, but... <laughs> I found the book to be slow and I couldn't really identify with the characters. I try to never make it personal. You should never say something like, you know, your writing is not for me or your writing seems juvenile or, you know, never use the word your. You want to say the plot, the characters, my perception is um, and try to keep it as impersonal as you can, knowing that it's still going to be taken very personally. It doesn't do anybody any, it doesn't give any value to lie. So to, to, to tell somebody that their book is sparkling when it's not. And especially if someone is just starting out and they're thinking of paying an editor or something, you know, if you can give them feedback up front that says, maybe you need to do another revision on your own <laughs> before you send it off to query or send it off to an editor if they're just starting out. And I know, I mean, your first book is generally um what's a polite way of saying your most challenged book Correct. i know that you know i wrote five wrote and published five full-length books before i wrote one that now i look back and it's like oh that was okay yeah. and they were like big issues that sometimes you need to get directed on like which perspective to have and you know whether you can have this element or not I would love to have a do-over for my first book. I mean, I, I I did break that rule. And in retrospect, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. I just, just sat down and decided I was going to write a book. I read Stephen King's On Writing. That was my preparation. And boom, I wrote Diamond Cross. And um, I was surprised when it got published, albeit with a very small press. I was even more surprised when it got nominated for a Best First Novel Award. But now, now that I have my fifth book under my belt, I look back at that first one and I'm like, oh, holy cow, that could have been so much better. That could have been so much better. I should have stuck it in a drawer like everybody else said and left it left it uh, ferment. 
Yeah, I think we all have one like that. My first one was, I can't even read it. It's cringy. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, like time time makes us all better. So, um, yeah, you know, I think that's really good advice. I think uh, a lot of people, you know, they uh, they have to take i do it the same way like the the beta reader service does it the same way uh in in how you do it where is uh um we ask specific questions so the the author comes up with a list of questions to give to um the readers uh it's just you know easier to to manage it that way than to have that sort of like word processing document that people then have to do a line edit of like, and not everyone's going to have the ability to do that. Um, But like you said, there's often things that you want specific answers to. And I do encourage the authors to add at least one very open-ended question. Like you said, like what else did you think about the book? Did you find any other problems that I didn't um, ask about? And uh, you know, I think that that, that works out and it focuses the the issues because like you said um and that's another thing that i usually tell people is that uh you don't want i generally wouldn't ever suggest you have just one beta reader because everybody's got different opinions about things uh you know you said like with 10 you'll get five that love it and two that think it's okay and three that it's not for them even with you know, a smaller number, you're still going to have that, but, but you're going to, um, but with one, what if that one was the one person that, you know, what if it was, if you gave it to 10, nine would love it and one would hate it. And then, but you only gave it to one and you happen to give it to the guy who hated it. Right. So, you know, you really roll the dice when you only have one opinion to, um, to hear from. Right. So and casual beta readers, um, so these are people who are not professional writers, your, your average person beta reader, um, they're very emotional readers. Most people are. Um, they're not clinical readers like, like those of us in the business are, um, to use a medical term. We're not, you know, clinically, we're clinically oriented when we read books now. And so they're emotional readers. And they just may see one thing that completely turns them off for the book. And, and as an example for that, that, I just beta read a, a book for a friend. It was a really good book, but there was a scene in there where they talk about killing kittens and I don't do I don't do any animal violence that's just like my line that I do not cross so if I had not been reading that for a friend like if I where I had to finish the book for the friend if if I had been reading it as a casual beta reader that would have been nope I'm done this book is I'm done Right. So, you know, it could just be that one thing that somebody doesn't like about your book, that one scene, and it could ruin it for them. And so but it you could have to be so valuable to find that out ahead of time, because I know in my first book when I was writing a romance, I had a scene with cheating in it. And I got all of these one star reviews saying there's cheating in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, if I'd had a beta reader back then, they'd have said that's no, no in romance books. Take it out right. without having to learn the hard way. Right. Right. So it can be valuable. I mean, it, wait, but. If you, to your point, Craig, you know, if that's that one person, if you only have one beta reader, you know, you may think, oh, that's just, that's just, they're sensitive about that, you know, and you may ignore it. Well, and you, and it can work the other way too, right? You could, you could have a book that's horrid and nine people would hate it and one person would love it. And you pick the one person that loves it and you think you've got a winner on your hands. And meanwhile, there's lots of things that need to change. Sure. So, you know, it's, it's tough to, you know, to navigate that. It's the same with sort of with reviews, you know, you, the most loved books in the world still have one star reviews on them. 
And that's fine, right? I mean, if you look at like Harry Potter, right? Most, most people love Harry Potter, but there's still, and there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of reviews or whatever, tens of, I don't know. But, but there's still one stars in there too, even though most are not, most are fours and fives, but there's people that just don't like it. And that's okay, right? You can't please everybody, but you know, if if you uh, if you please the majority at least, <laughs> then uh, then it, then it works. But um, when you so when you look for beta readers, do you um, look for a specific demographic uh, of of reader? Well, again, I'm fortunate now that I have uh, just a, a circle of colleagues that I can ask um, and a circle of friends now that um, have beta read my books going along. So I, I don't really have to search for beta readers anymore uh, since I don't really um, cross genre that much. I mean, The Photo Thief is a little bit of a different genre for me. It's a truly a murder mystery with a paranormal element, whereas my other ones have been more thrillers, more crime thrillers. But it's not like I'm jumping around to romance and sci-fi. And, you know, so I need to have different beta readers who enjoy different styles of books. For people who are looking for beta readers, I recommend um, for, for writing professionals who are looking for beta readers, I recommend... Um, looking at different organizations, you know, um, Mystery Writers of America, I think, has a beta reader program. I know the International Thriller Writers and um, Sisters in Crime are thinking of adding beta reader programs. There are services like yours, you know, that that that, um, if you, that if somebody really wants a true outsider's view, you know, that, that somebody who's not within their own organization or something that they can use. So there's lots of resources to get beta readers. Um, but right now, like I said, I'm fortunate you can see some of my friends' books behind me that I've beta read. So I, I really have a nice network now. Yeah, it helps to, um, if you find a beta reader you like, to keep using them, you know. There's there's time like so as part of our program, too, we have the ability when it's done for the author to provide, uh, you know, just like a simple star rating of of um, how good the they thought that the beta reader was. And that allows us to to make sure that, you know, the beta readers we have are still sort of pulling their weight. And, um, you know, and then I can look if the, you know somebody's getting low scores, I can look at what kind of feedback they're giving and then, you know, either remove them or talk to them or whatever. But um, but along with that, we have the ability to either sort of block uh, a beta reader from being able to read any further books or or um, um, request uh, a specific beta reader that you liked so that if that person signs up, that's one we would pick. Right. Because mm-hmm. if somebody wants, you know, three or five beta readers and 10 sign up, if they've said this person, if they sign up, you know, add them, I'll make sure to pick them because, you know, it, it is really helpful, like you said, to have a core group of people that you know especially if you're writing in a genre we had had one author who um writes in some sort of like you know crime sort of thrillers and one of the beta readers was really good at uh that you know they had that sort of background in that and they provided good feedback and so she wants that beta reader because Mm -hmm. they have that background so often it helps to uh to be able to sort of go to that same pool um of people so but um, so if when you're writing, at what point do you um, send it to the beta reader? Do you send it sort of uh, after, probably before your, your final edits, right? Just in case. Yeah, so my process is a little, I'm discovering, I didn't, never thought it was weird. I just thought it was my process. But I guess mine is a little weird compared to other people. Um, I did not use a beta reader for my first two books. 
like I said, I didn't have a writing community at that point. I didn't know any better. I mean, when I wrote the first book, I, I had no intentions of trying to publish it. I just literally wanted to get it off my bucket list, on my bucket list, take a cake decorating class, write a book, you know, <laughs> so I wanted to get it off the bucket list. And then, you know, my mom read it and my husband read it. And, you know, I, if you want to call them beta readers, you can, but I just gave it to them to read. And they were like, you know, this is pretty good. Maybe you ought to try to get it published. So I didn't use beta readers at all for my first, for my first two books. Um, with my other books, I, I don't always use them. It depends on if I have that kind of uncomfortable feeling like maybe there's a few things here that need some work. And so for me, that's usually after the second draft. So I, but I write a pretty clean first draft. I am one of those people that oftentimes will edit as I go along. So, you know, the story is pretty set. I mean, there's, there's generally not huge changes that need to be made. And so by the second draft, I've cleaned it up. And that's the time when I, I, if I'm going to use a beta reader that I use one. But again, it's typically for me, it's because I have some maybe nagging feelings. Like with The Photo Thief, again, being my first murder mystery, it to me, it felt slow. The pace of the story felt slow compared to the thrillers that I had written, you know, which start out with a bang. You've got that propulsive action. Whereas with a murder mystery, you start with a dead body and then you're trying to investigate that. So that was my number one question for my beta readers for this is, is it slow? Is it boring? Did you ever feel like you wanted to put the book down? You know, those were the things that I needed answered. Right. And then you send it out for an edit after you've gotten their feedback, made the changes, if there are any changes to make. And then it goes for the final edit. Is that right? Well, then it went because that was published by CamCat Publishing. So they have their own editor. So after I did my own rounds of edit, after my beta reader read it, then it went to the CamCat editor. And they did your typical sort of three rounds of editing, you know, your developmental and then your line and then your copy edits. So. Right. So did the um, did the developmental editor find issues that you didn't that didn't get picked up by the beta readers? No. Um, and this this is going to sound like bragging, but um, she actually said it was the cleanest book that she had edited. So um, very small changes, um, just very small changes at that point. And I'd like to think that's because of my process. I don't know. No, you're just awesome. Well, I think every, every author's process is different, isn't it? I mean, you mentioned reading Stephen King's on writing, and he has this wonderful bit about a story is almost like a, a dinosaurs bones that you have to to brush away the dust and uncover whereas i'm a plotter i like to to plot a story out specifically so i know where it's going and they're different processes and obviously stephen king's works for for him and yours right. works for you i'm a pantser believe it or not um and and so i i will write and it, again this is what i guess is weird i i can see the first opening page and i can see the end so i write the beginning and i write the end and then I have that murky middle I have to fill in in between. <laughs> but I guess not a lot of people do that. I don't know. Well, you know, I'm surprised. I would think that with murder mysteries, you know, because of clues and things that you sort of have to keep hidden and reveal at certain times, you would almost need to be a plotter more than a pantser. I can't even imagine, uh, you know, and it's probably because of how I write, but I can't even imagine writing a, a mystery without really plotting out or planning at least some of the big clues and reveals and stuff like that. Like, I don't know how I would come up with them on the fly and then without a lot of like back check. Oh, you know, I, I should have set that up 
a long time ago. I'll have to go and rewrite chapter two now. The know? only thing I ended up doing for this that I ended up writing out was as after I was maybe 50 pages in, I realized you know what, I'm going to need to write down a family timeline because this was my first multi-generational family story as well. And there's a great grandfather in it who's a World War II veteran. And originally I had it as his daughter who was the person who was murdered. And then I realized from it, because it's set in current times. So I realized, no, that would have to be his granddaughter. And the main character would have to be the great granddaughter. And so I ended up having to sit down and sort of sketch a family tree, if you will, with birth dates and death dates and stuff so that I got the the generations correct in the book. So I did have to do that for this book, but that was all I did. Wow. Yeah. Your memory, I mean, you're a doctor, so your memory is, is much better than mine. I was writing down like, okay, this character uh, has blue eyes and blonde, like I'd keep a spreadsheet because otherwise, you know, in one chapter they'd be blue and another they'd be green and then their hair would be black and then it would be blonde. I had a character who was an only child for eight books have a brother in the first one and I'm like oh yep (laughs) it's funny we create these things and yet we lose track of them so Mm -hmm. easily yes that's true yeah so um what sort of advice let's there's two because you're both let's go let's do one at a time but let's talk about first what advice you would give to somebody who's beta reading. And then I want to ask about the advice that you would give to an author that would, that is, is, hasn't gone through the process. And, you know, I'll, I'll ask that one sec- second, but let's first talk about uh, as a beta reader, sort of what kind of advice would you, would you give? So I would just say, and I know it seems counterintuitive, but I would just say, turn your brain off, you know, just read, just read it. Like you're reading it for enjoyment. And then if something does jump out at you or, you know, you you keep track of how you feel, like I said, then just jot a little note down. I'm bored (laughs) or I'm confused or whatever, but just read it. And then you can go back and you can look at if the author submitted questions, like I mentioned that I always do. You can go back and, and then scribble down answers to those questions. But again, your job as a beta reader is more or less to act act as a proxy for the the audience as a whole. And and to do that, you have to turn your critical brain off and just read it. And actually, that brings up uh, another sort of question about um, because you do it the same way that we do it, where you you're sending this list of questions. Do you want the auth or the the beta reader to read the questions before they read the book or after? Because I think that there's you know there's a difference there, and it's like if you read them before. Um, and, and I mean, it's even, it's even, it could potentially be even worse for, for a mystery, right? Because maybe the questions sort of ruin things. Right. Uh, maybe you say, did you know it was going to be Professor Plum in the library, you know, <laughs> with the candlestick? Um, but, uh, but like even for non, uh, mystery, you know, there still could be things that, you know, give things away, or maybe you don't want to influence the, the reader. Like you're saying, like, did you find the pacing too slow. If they know that ahead of time, they're almost going to be sort of predisposed to watching for it. Whereas if they if they just read the book and then they read the question, uh, they would be like, well, I didn't really think about it. So I guess not. It's probably good, right? But if they read it first, then they're like thinking to myself, is this too slow? You know, they might overthink it almost. Sure. So, yeah, I think if it's a non-professional beta reader, and what I mean by that is somebody who is not also a writer, 
I think it's better for them not to read the questions ahead of time. Again, to just turn off their brains, read the book, and then read the questions, almost like taking a test afterwards, right? And just looking at those four questions and, and as you said, answering them truthfully based on, on their perception after reading. I think most professional writers who are used to doing other levels, you know, they're used to doing actual critique swaps, they're used to reading for marketing reasons. Again, you can turn on and off different parts of your brain. Like I said, I read a book very differently when I I know I'm reading it to give a blurb. I'm looking for certain one-liners or different aspects that I can use. So I think a, a professional writer who is acting as a beta reader for a colleague can glance at those questions ahead of time and keep them in the back of their brain um, as they're reading. Do you I mean, try I, to... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I don't know about you, but I know as I've developed as a writer, it's like you, you can't really... Uh, help but read other books and look at things like the structure and stuff it becomes a... that's what i mean it's there anyway so you know right do you do you try to avoid spoilers in your um beta reader questions just in case or do you actually control it do you do you like say let me know when you're done reading the book and i'll send you the questions or do you just be like leave it up to them no, I don't put any spoilers in my in my beta reader questions. And again, usually my beta reader questions are bigger picture items, so they're not right. going to have spoilers in them anyway. My beta reader questions are usually about pacing or character development or just did you enjoy this book? Um, one that I'll use uh, often is, um, is there anything you would have liked to see happen differently in the book? So the ending, for instance, or something along those lines. So it's never been a problem for me with giving away spoilers, but I do submit the questions in advance. I I, I agree that that's that's the right you know way to do it in general. My I was more thinking about, and, and probably because I don't write mystery, but if I did, I I feel like one of my questions would always be, "Did you see it coming?" <laughs> you know, like, "Did you were you able to guess it on you know chapter two? Uh, you know, and then I'd want to ask a question about that, but you can still be vague about it. You can still you can. Be like, you can ask it just like it that. Out. Did you see? Yeah. The, did, yeah. Did you did you guess yeah. it right? Right. So then, as as an author now, um, you know, if, if somebody has never done beta reading, um, uh, never submitted their book to beta readers, you know, what sort of things should they look for when they're trying to find beta readers? What sort of um, you know, how should they, what should they do with the advice that they get? You know, like I know I even say to people, and this is another reason why I, I think that more is better than less for in terms of readers is if um, there's something in your book, you know, at the end of the day, it's still your book. And if, you know, people can say whatever they want and you're free to, to agree, disagree, change, don't change, right? You know, it, it, just because somebody says they didn't like something does not mean you have to change it. So the question is, you know, somebody says, I didn't like something, does that mean it, it should be changed? And so what I, you know, the advice I usually give is, you know, if it's something you're sort of like not sure about, um, did more than one person sort of say something about that because if, if it's just one person if 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 they if for the example you gave before if one person if you gave feedback saying get rid of the kitten killing scene right but everyone else sort of ignored it that the author could be like well that person has a sensitivity to it and you know maybe i'll i'll put a spoiler or a um a trigger warning at you know in my blurb or something like that uh whereas what a snowflake 
You know, kill a few kittens and they get all upset. <laughs> exactly. These millennials. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, so like, uh, you know, would, uh, that's the advice I give is like, you know, especially if it's something that you're not sure about, if you, you're, not, you're not totally convinced should change. If like two or three people are saying the same thing, that's when you need to really start to look at it. Whereas if it's just one person and everyone else is either fine with it or, or liked it, then, you know, that's... That's fine. So what are your thoughts on all that? Oh, I absolutely agree. And I can give a concrete example, again, from The Photo Thief. There's a scene at the very beginning of the book. And and to me, of course, I know my main character, Brennan, you know, the detective Brennan. I know him inside and out in my head. So I know he's a good guy. He's not like sleazy at all. Right. But in the opening 10, 20 pages of the book, there's a scene where he offers 18-year-old Cassie a ride home from the library because it's raining. To me, there was like no sleaziness in that at all. I mean, he's a good guy. He's a detective. He's offering this girl a ride because it's raining. Every beta reader I had was like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no. He, he sounds very much like he's hitting on this 18-year-old. And I just never saw it because I just wouldn't. I, I, I love my character, right? So when the first beta read came in and said that, I was like, ah, no, they're just being really you know, super sensitive or whatever about it. Every beta reader came in and said that. And so I was like, okay, I need to subtly change the scene. So instead I had him offer to call her an Uber, right? Um, as opposed to give her a ride. So that seems like such a small thing, but if somebody's put off by something like that early in your book, they may not keep reading or they, they may have developed a completely different perception of Detective Brennan right from the get-go than what I intended. Yeah, I mean, listen, I have a daughter and I would tell her not to get in a car with somebody. (laughs) So, so, uh, you know, I would read that and I would probably maybe think the same thing. I mean, I guess it depends. Like, he's a cop. Does she know he's a cop? Is he in a cop car? That's that's different. But if it's like plain clothes and, you know, it's just his car, you know, sure. But I just never even thought of it because I just knew that he was such that he was a good guy and he was going to be the good guy, the hero, if you will, of the book. So it just never occurred to me that that might be perceived as being, you know. And I think that that's a great sort of uh, example of why authors need beta readers a lot of the time is because we're so close to the story that often we think that everyone understands it as well as we do and knows all the rest of the book where we've painted this guy as uh, you know a great great guy right but you're 20 pages in they don't know he could be the villain he could be the murderer right so uh you know when you have a beta reader that perspective of somebody who's who doesn't have all your knowledge comes in and they tell you things that you had no clue Right. And that's why if you do submit questions in advance, they need to be vague because you don't want to give away, you know, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Because, again, you need that perception that they have. Right. Right. You know, as they develop it, as they read along. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm not hearing you there. uh, Roland, Roland, you're muted. I'm a mime. Sorry. That's why I got got Paris in the background. But um. I uh, guess, unfortunately, we're coming up to the top of the hour, so we're going to have to to wrap things up. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and really, I think it's been so interesting to like separate, peel away like what editing and what beta reading is and the different strengths. So, uh, a final piece of advice, uh, Jen, when you when you're out looking for beta readers, where like, what's the, I don't know, what's the hope for you that they would they would enter into the project uh, with the mindset of? 
So you want them to be avid readers who just are excited about reading your book. And so in general, you want to have them within your genre um, as opposed to outside your genre. And I just I just want somebody who's going to read it, who's going to be honest and who is just not going to say, oh, I loved it. And that's the whole feedback that I get or, oh, I didn't like it. You know, you, you, you really want somebody who's going to want to talk about it almost like a, a book club, you know, like in a book club. And next, um, where can people find things like The Photo Thief and your other books? Well, um, all the usual places, anywhere books are sold, right? So Amazon, if you want to do your local indie on bookshop.org, which I recommend, you can support your local indie bookstore there, Barnes and Nobles, you know, any of the routine places. The Photo Thief comes out on the 18th. Um, and I am doing a local signing at my Barnes and Nobles here on the 23rd. So if you're in central Pennsylvania, stop by. <laughs> And thank you so much. We'll make sure to pop links down below. And uh, Craig, do you have any final questions? Uh, no, no final questions. Just, uh, you know, thanks again, Jen, for, for coming on and talking to us. This is really like a, um, a topic that I think is really important because a lot of authors don't use beta readers. Not all of them need to, but there are a lot that would benefit from it. And so I'm always interested in, in sort of getting that message out. Um, it's the reason why we started the service because it's just, you know, sometimes it's hard to find them um, or, you know, they don't know how to, to just go through the process. Right. So we've tried to make that really easy, but, but we did it because I think that the, it's such an important part of the process to improving your book and, and, and becoming a successful writer. So uh, you know, thanks for coming on and talking to us about it. It's great to have that perspective from both sides as a reader and, a, and an author. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Well, if you have enjoyed uh, listening to Jen share her wisdom, make sure to leave a comment down below and let us know whether you're listening to this as a podcast or watching it on YouTube. Make sure you hit that like button. Give us a thumbs up and subscribe if you haven't already. And we will be back next week with another episode of Fully Books. Thank you so much for supporting us.